some glad morning when this life is o'er, fly away. Kind of hard to gather the fellowship. They're, they're, they're so busy uh, loving each other out there. That's right. They just, you guys are doing a good job. Because of your love. As we come into your presence, we remember every blessing that you poured out so freely from above. Lifting gratitude and praises for compassion so amazing, for we come to give you thanks for all you've done. Because of your Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you're not awake yet. Pray for Jasper and company. <laughs> uh, Miss Lindsay and Gina and Iris took the kids to camp, bless their hearts. Uh, they're coming back today, so be praying for them as they travel back home. Uh, they left Thursday. They eventually got there at about 10, 15, Thursday night. Several false starts. We won't talk about that. But they got there. That's what's important. So be praying for them as they travel. Don't forget on July 21st, there is a game night at 6.30. And uh, you see some of the other information there in the bulletin. Please do read it. But next week, I want to remind you, there will be a special ordination service for Warren Rogers to uh, become our... Deacon, he's probably one of the deacons that has been the longest vetted of any of the deacons we've had because of COVID and everything else has been going on. Um, but please be praying for Warren and Chris. And uh, we're also going to have a recommitment or rededication, if you would, of all the other deacons that are now our deacon family. And you're part of their family because we're going to fire up the deacon family ministry and start prayerfully, hopefully, Taking good care of you guys. Parents' time out is on July 29th, uh, 9 to 1. Don't forget that. And the annual WMU Ladies Retreat is still on for August 18th to 19th. And we'll keep you updated on that as time permits. And you know what? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And just thank him for this morning. Father, we just lift you up today. We thank you for the blessings you give each and every one of us that we're going to talk about today. We thank you for... The fact that you just watch over us and care for us today in this crazy world we live in. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us, encourage us, and move us in ways today as we look at your word and we hear, the, hear your hymns and sing spiritual songs unto you. And we just thank you for everything you do and everything you give us. In Jesus' name.
Amen. All right. I got a, a couple of announcements. My my great niece, Abigail, is here. Say hi, Abigail. There she is. All right. I didn't tell her that so she would be here and I can embarrass her. And also, um, it's Katie's birthday today. We're going to sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Katie. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Happy birthday. She is not old enough to dread birthdays yet, so she's still smiling. <laughs> All right, we're going to read our scripture this morning. I tell you, I, I was telling Mike this morning, any, any service that starts with Romans 8 is going to be good, right? Romans 8, 37 through 39, but in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and we should be too, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And everybody can say amen to that. Amen. amen. All right. Let's sing together. I stand amazed in the presence. You can, you can be standing on the inside. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall sorrows he made them his very own he bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for And in glory, his face I at last shall see. Will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior. Praise to the Lord for his great love and mercy and grace. And I could go on and on, but Lynn has to preach. So let's sing together uh, one of Mary Bailey's favorite songs, The Love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest bed.
sing a special for you. What was it? <laughs> your love, O oh Lord. That's right. It's not your love, O oh Lord. That's right. What is it? Yeah, it's Lord, I need you. We changed it, and I, I forgot what it was at the last. <clears throat> and that is true. Lord, we need you. Where 
Once a morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You remember last week what we were talking about? Yeah, I didn't think most of you would. We were looking at the blessings of highly elected people. We're chosen by God. We talked about some of these things, and we're going to touch on blessing number three that we touched on last week, but we're going to detail it out a little more. You know, God is giving us a foundation and a platform to share what it means to be a Christian. He's given us the opportunity to tell others what it really means. We need to share those things with others. It's not meant for us to hold on to and, and just keep to ourselves. We're to share those things with the rest of the world, just like these songs we're talking about. We need God. Other people need God. Now, some of them don't realize it. They don't think they do need God. They think they have their act all together. Well, I'm here to tell you, none of us have our act all together. <clears throat> We're to share the fact that God has chosen them and chosen us if we will simply accept the gift. You know, the second reason is also just as important. And we sang about it in that last song. The riches of God's grace, the riches of God's blessings that he gives us and shows us each and every day. But I think a lot of us don't often see them or can't see them because we somehow don't open our eyes and look. Or maybe, you know, our faith isn't strong enough because we read in the scripture where we're asked to, you know, help us with our doubt, help us with our lack of faith. And those are realities that we need to face each and every day. You know, Paul's walking us through this tremendous description of the riches and treasures that God has given us. And he's telling us that these things are real and tangible in this life, but there's so much more to come in the next. And he's going to show us those things as we look through the book of Ephesians in greater detail. But we're looking at blessing number three today. It's interesting to me because if you look at some of these phrases there, it's like God is saying, he talks, he, he goes phrase to phrase, and it's like, give me praise, give me praise. He says, thank me for this, thank me for that. Look at all the things that I am blessing you with that you're missing. Wasn't that the problem that the nation of Israel had? They weren't obedient. They were missing what God was giving them, all because they wanted to walk their own path and do their own thing. It's interesting that you know, I said it last week, we've been blessed by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are already sealed, signed, and delivered. We need to understand something. The Father signed those adoption papers for us to be his sons and daughters. That's already done. If you, if you listened and read the words of those songs that we sang, all those things have already taken place. Jesus delivered us from the eternal consequences of our sin. And the Holy Spirit has sealed us to the day of redemption. All the things that are there in front of us and somehow to us, they're just everyday events. They're normal, but they're not. This is a major situation. It's, it's a brand new life that he's given us. And sometimes I think we don't live it the way he hopes or expects us to. God chose us to be holy. 
Last week we talked about that. God chose us to be holy. God chose us to be blameless. He chose us and adopted us into his family. We saw how he moved us out of Adam's family into Jesus' family. There's a poem someone wrote about it, and it says this. When they ate the wrong fruit, God gave them the boot. Our hearts all spring from the same sinful root. From Adam's family we go, adopted as God's children, so as to know that Christ is our Savior because of God's unmerited favor. Listen, God transferred me, God transferred you out of Adam's sinful family and condemned family into Jesus' family, which has eternal life. He's given us that opportunity. We need to remember that. So blessing number three, I have salvation because I am redeemed and forgiven. We just sang about it. Your choice of songs this morning was excellent, by the way, because it fit perfectly with everything we're talking about today. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with his riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us with all wisdom and understanding. Listen, the double blessing here that we see is redemption and forgiveness. Those two things happen because of Christ's blood in our life. Redemption, A, is found only in Christ Jesus. I told the men yesterday at men's prayer breakfast, I said, you guys do it to me every time. Every time they steal my thunder because whoever's leading that day takes part of the message that I'm working on and teaches it in there the day before. <laughs> Romans 3, 23 and 25, first part says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely. There's that freedom that we sang about freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Listen, we sang about this also. Redemption means that somebody had to pay a ransom to deliver someone else that didn't have the power or the possibility to free themselves. And Jesus did that for us. Picture in your mind, if you will, a slave market for a second. And the early Israelites would have understood this in great detail. Because the slave market would have been a platform, something maybe similar to this. And the slaves would have been standing around. And the auctioneer would have been auctioning them off. And he says, here, how much for this one? And Jesus comes along and he says, I'll buy the whole lot. I'll take them all. We need to remember that if someone had a slave, was a slave, they had no legal right or legal way to free themselves. They couldn't. But the person who paid the price, they could legally free them. You know, it literally means to be loosed. When someone pays a ransom and frees you, it means you are loosed from something. Whatever that was. That's what God has done for us. He set us free. He liberated us. He redeemed us. He purchased us. He paid the ransom price for us. Christ purchased us with his own blood. He paid his very life for us. You know, the truth is in our humanness, not our humaneness, but our humanness, we often sometimes think, you know, maybe we're not very useful. And in some ways, before we come to Christ and are redeemed, we're not. We have to think about ourselves like something that's on the store shelf in the store. It's there, but it has no current purpose or value if it's not purchased and utilized for its intended purpose. And we, before we come to know Jesus as our Savior and believe in him, are not really serving our intended purpose. And process this for just a second. Christ purchased us with that blood. It may have appeared that we had some use in the world, and we did to a degree, but not significant use, not long-term use, not eternal use that God has called us all to. You know... Eternity, I'm pretty sure, as I understand it, is forever. 
this life we're living is temporary. All the stuff we see around us is one day going to be gone, including us. Thank God. We're not going to be here. Jesus literally picked us up out of our sin and redeemed us and delivered us in a different destination. And that's where we want to be going. That's what we want to be thinking about. Can you picture yourself standing personally on that slave block? I want you to put in your mind's eye for just a second. You're standing on the slave block at an auction. And all of a sudden, you're dealing with your hurts, your hang-ups, your habits, your struggles, your pain, physical, mental, spiritual. And Jesus comes along and he says, you know what? I'll purchase that one right there. And I'm willing to pay full price, whatever it is. And the auctioneer says, you know what it is? It's, it's your blood. You have to die in their stead. You have to serve the penalty for whatever they did. And he says, okay, I'll do that. Because my love for them goes way beyond that. Picture that auction, you're saying that. But here's the second best part. We're also forgiven. Redemption is for forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen, used literally, it means that it's carried away. That forgiveness is carried away from us. Forgiveness means our sins have been dismissed. You ever been dismissed from a job? Sort of hurts, right? We need to genuinely understand what that forgiveness means for us, though. There's a couple of images maybe that will help us understand this. And I want to put those in your mind for just a second. All the Jewish people would have understood it completely. They would have got it. Because it happened once a year on the Day of Atonement. And many of you know this. Some of you may not. But the high priest would have to take two goats. And he would take those two goats. And he would take them in and he would put one on the altar and he would slay it. And he would take the blood and he would put all over the altar. And that was a representation of Christ's blood on that altar for the forgiveness of sins. Now, they had to do this every year. And then they take the other goat. And the priest, now, I, I thought about this for the last couple of days as I was going over my notes. And I'm thinking, the priest has to take and lay his hands on that goat. And he has to put the sins of the whole nation of Israel on that goat. How long did that take? I was wondering about that. You know, that second goat is spoken of in Leviticus 16, 20, and 22. It says, when Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent meeting and the altar, that was where and when he killed that first goat and placed that blood on the altar. He shall bring forward the live goat he is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of all the Israelites and all their sins. Not part of them, not some of them, but all of them. And put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. And the goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place. And the man shall release it in the desert. Do you realize that's what Jesus did for us? He took the sins, all our sins, and as high priest, he took all those on himself. And he went to that solitary, lonely place on the cross. That had to be a terrible place to be, but it had to be extremely lonely. And I often think about that. The modern-day terminology is that uh, he was a scapegoat. He was our scapegoat. Jesus took all our sins and carried them away. 
And how far did he carry them? Psalms 103.12 says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Lonely place, all by himself. But he did it because he loves us. He did it because he cares for us. This was a yearly ritual, a yearly experience that they did every single year over and over again to carry the people sent away. But Jesus Christ only had to do it once, and he did it once for all. And that all has a double meaning. He did it once and for all, and he did it once for all. When the people heard you're forgiven, they understood that picture. They understood that that high priest had taken that goat and he'd slaughtered it and he put the blood on the altar and that was the forgiveness of sins. And then they understood that their sins had been taken away and carried out into the desert as far as the east is from the west so that they could never come back together. When God forgave us through Jesus, he forgave us of everything and he carried those all the way. But it's not only a religious term. That forgiveness is also a legal term. It means to cancel a debt. And it's, it's like if you've ever bought a car and you get that little piece of paper that's stamped on it, it says paid in full. That's a thrilling moment, isn't it? Think about this. He gives us a certificate of eternal life that says paid in full. And we have that to, to, to know that we're going to be with him because our sins have been paid in full. Think about this. Let's say you go buy a house. I heard a story this week, and I'm not going to say by who, but they went and just looked at some model homes out of curiosity. And they said, man, this is a great house. I love it. I love the layout. I love this. I love that. And they looked up the price, and it was a quarter, three quarters of a million dollars. And they said, oh, my, I don't think I can afford that. But you know what? What if they would have went ahead and put down that 20, 25% deposit and got into that house and a couple of years down the road, all of a sudden they're thinking, man, I can't keep the payment up on this because the payment on a house was over $4,000 a month. And they said, all of a sudden, I I'm going under. I can't keep this up. And all of a sudden the bank comes knocking on the door. And the banker says, you know what? We've been talking down at the bank, and we really love you and appreciate you. You've kept your money in our bank for all these years, and we're just going to forgive that loan in its entirety. <laughs> Would you be overwhelmed? <laughs> yeah. Now, take that thought for just a second and multiply it by about $10 billion. And that's what Christ has done for us. See, we tend to forget we tend to get lackadaisical in our thought because life keeps going on. And, but that's what Christ has done for us. All those things. You can't, here's part of the problem. And we see it from time to time. You know, Christ has already canceled all that debt forever. If he hadn't have, if that hadn't already taken place, can you imagine going and dying this physical death and standing before God and Christ one day and saying, uh, God, I'm here. I'd like to come in. And he says, I'm sorry, pay up. Now, how are you going to pay up? There's no way to pay up because you haven't been ransomed. You haven't been forgiven. You haven't been redeemed. What's the penalty? The penalty is to die and go into the lake of fire and a pit where I, I envision this in my mind that you have to die over and over and over again because there's nothing that's going to save you at that point in time. Nothing. But the cancellation of that debt and our salvation and our redemption and our freedom comes at a great cost. It came at the cost of Christ's blood. Think about this. In the, new, in, the, in the Bible, in the NIV, blood is mentioned over 400 times. In contrast, 
Faith is only mentioned 270 times. Now think. I had two ladies tell me one time, you know, I appreciate everything that's going on at church, but I just can't deal with this bloody religion. All right. If blood is mentioned 400 times in the Bible, let's just compare it to a dictionary for a moment. If you took 400 words out of the dictionary, it wouldn't be very useful, would it? If you took the blood out of the Bible, you were not only removing the blood, you were removing all of the power of God, and you were removing our opportunity for salvation. Yes, blood is mentioned a lot in the Bible, but there's a reason for it. It's because Christ paid that price for us with his blood. And that's important. It empties the Bible of all its power and it takes away our salvation if the blood is not in there. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God paid the price through the blood of Jesus Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It doesn't say that God used Jesus to take away our sin. It said God made him who had no sin to be sin. It wasn't that Jesus says, okay, I'll take all that sin away from you. That's not what he said. He literally became sin for us. He was our sin. When he had his arms and his feet nailed to that cross and he was there bleeding... He was shedding our blood, too. He was shedding our sins. He was giving those up because he took those sins on himself. When he shed his blood, it was him shedding my blood. It was him shedding your blood. He took the punishment for, for my sin, and he paid the debt for all my sins, past, present, and future. Let's say somebody decides they want to go buy some new furniture for the house. And they go down to one of the furniture stores and they plop out $300. And they say, hey, I want to buy all new furniture for my house. Here you go. That salesman is going to look at them and think, okay, well, something's wrong with these folks. And they'll tell them very politely, <clears throat> maybe, you don't have enough resources to pay for this. What do you mean I don't have enough resources to pay for it? There's $300 there. Well, that'll get you, uh, you know, maybe a recliner, a cheap one. But it's not going to get you a whole house furniture. Listen, we can't pay for what God has done for us. We don't have enough resources. God has all the resources that we need to pay for our sins. And he paid for those sins through the blood of Jesus. He paid our debt in full. Let's say you also go to the store and you, you have this opportunity that you're going to buy useful things for life. Now stick with me for just a second. You want a sense of unity in the world. You want a sense of calmness in the world. You want to have a life of significance. And you want to pay the price for those things. But again, you don't have the resources for it. God is the only one that has the resources for those things. He's the only one that can give us those things. Some people would really like to have a significant life. You can have it through Christ. Some people would like to have calmness and assurance. You can have it through Christ. But you're only going to get it through. We live in a world that's upside down and topsy-turvy right now. And we see it. We need to help people stand, understand that everything comes at a cost. And we often don't have enough resources to pay the cost for what we want or what we need. Spiritually. Those resources are available only through Jesus. I need that resource. Just like we sang a moment ago, I need 
Jesus in my life. I need the resources that God gives me. I need the assurance that God gives me. I need the comfort that God gives me. I need the calmness that God gives me. I need the significance that God gives me. I don't get significance from a whole bunch of other stuff, but I do from God. All those things the Bible said came at a cost of Christ's blood. You can't have the things that you expect. You know, that you can't have any of those things if you don't expect to pay a price. A price has to be paid. To say you want those things without realizing that you have to pay the price or that Christ paid the price is naive at best. But you know, to ignore it and not understand it, that God has a deep, deep love for you, that's its worst. It's terrible if we don't understand how much God loves us and cares about us. D, there's a future redemption of our bodies. There's a future redemption. We have been redeemed right now. How many, <clears throat> how many of you are chronologically more mature? <laughs> that you remember S&H Green Stamps? Oh, yeah. You used to, you got, my mom's probably watching this. She used to love taking those books and putting all, and I would, I'm putting all those, you know, that was before we figured out you could put it on a sponge and put it on there. Those H&H green stamps were for redemption. She would take 137 of these little books and come out with this little toaster, you know. But it was redeemed for something. You saved up those things to be redeemed later. God is saving us up to be redeemed later in our bodies. Look at what Romans 8.23 says again. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. These bodies, these temporary tents, as Scripture says, are going to be cast off one day, and we're going to be a completely free spirit and a soul that lives in a completely different way than we live now. Praise God. Amen. Ephesians 1.13 and 14 says this, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Listen, some of you may remember the old song, I am satisfied with Jesus. This is how it goes. I'm satisfied with Jesus, but when I think of cavalry, then the question comes to me, is my master satisfied with me? I wrote a different second verse for it. When I think of cavalry, then the answer comes to me. Yes, my master is satisfied with me because he sees me through the blood of Christ. Jesus is what he's done for me on that tree of cavalry. Listen, this is how we are blessed. It says it's already taken place. Not that this is how you're going to be blessed if you keep working at it. It's already taken place. Jesus just says, all you need to do is start living what I've already given you. What's he already given us? The grace God has already given us is his forgiveness, his redemption, the freedom that we sang about, the blessings that he talks about. Those things weren't given to us haphazardly or begrudgingly or even lightly. They were given to us after careful thought and planning and processing in God's mind and God's heart because he loves his son and he loves us. Scripture says God, grace is lavished on us. You ever think about the word lavished? That's a really interesting word. It means extravagant, luxurious, bountiful, exceedingly generous, all those things. You know, Kathy and I have been doing some work at the house and I've been looking for bathroom stuff. <clears throat> you seen the price of bathroom stuff lately? <laughs> I'm looking for a shower stuff, right? And I come across this luxurious, uh, no, lavish, it says lavish, 
shower tub installation. It's $38,000. This thing's got a built-in wave pool and all kind of, you know, and all kind of bells and whistles. That's the price of a small used Mercedes today. I'm sitting there and I'm going, that's lavish. That's extravagant. That's way beyond my price range. I was recently reading about these shopping sprees that some people go on, all right? And I know that, I know that some people spend several thousand dollars a year on clothes. To me, that's extravagant, all right? I know some people like that, but that's okay. Now, I read in a story about a lady that lived in Manhattan that owned a boutique. Now, you ladies know about boutiques. Guys don't know much about boutiques. But this lady owned a boutique, and she said some woman flew in from Colorado and spent 20 minutes in her store and bought $45,000 worth of purses. <laughs> went back and got on her private jet and flew back to Colorado. $45,000 for a bunch of purses? To me, that's exceeding way beyond, all right? We look at that kind of stuff, and some of us go, and that is just crazy. But that's the luxuriousness that God is reminding us of, that he's giving us and he's preparing for us in heaven, and it's going to be way beyond that. That's just a drop in the bucket of what God's going to give us and what God has waiting for us. God says, I'm putting the whole world account in your hands. I'm giving you everything you could possibly need and desire and want if you stay faithful and you obey me. Now, are these bodies going to wear out? Are we going to go home one day? Yeah. Unless the rapture comes first, yeah. But you know what? We should be able to face that with assurance and understanding that God loves us and he cares for us and he's got the best things for us. We were designed with a plan and his plan was designed to save us and give us freedom and assurance. But we often don't claim it. He says, you know, I'm pouring out my forgiveness on you. I'm pouring out my redemption on you. I'm giving you everything I have that you need. But some of you are standing under the waterfall and you're not opening your mouth. My encouragement to you today is simply open your mouth. My question to you is, have you received that yet today? Are you receiving what God is offering? It's not that difficult to accept his free gift. God's pouring his riches out on us and saying, Satan's standing in the corner going, ah, you don't deserve it. You really don't deserve it. And God is saying, yes, you do, because I love you because of my son. And it's already yours. Who are we supposed to listen to, Satan or God? God. Well, let's start doing it. Listen to the Lord. He's pouring out his grace on us. He's pouring out his forgiveness on us. He's pouring out his freedom on us. And he's giving all this to us. And that same article I told you about, it was a psychologist who was writing this article about the shopping. She said, in some cases, compulsive shopping is merely addictive behavior. However, in others, it's a symptom of dealing with anxieties. So think about this for a second. She's saying some people will feel pretty if they buy something pretty. Some people will feel more worthwhile if they buy something that has higher value or worthwhile. So it's, it's coming off through osmosis. Whatever they need is coming through osmosis of what they're purchasing. But it doesn't work that way. A lot of people shop excessively because of the emptiness in their life that they're trying to fill up. How long are you going to shop when God is offering you the fullness of his life right here and you're not taking it. That's what he's asking. Listen, here's the, whole, here's the whole point. My worth, your worth, our worth is not determined 
by what we can buy or own. My worth is determined by what God paid for me and what God paid for you. Hebrews 9.15 says this, For this reason Christ is a mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Didn't we just read that you are sealed and you have a deposit guaranteeing that? Go back to 1.13 and 14 in Ephesians. Who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from their sins committed under the first covenant. There's nothing in the world that can change that. Jesus has already done that. Jesus has already taken care of that for us. All we have to do is accept it and receive it. He lavishes his grace on us. That scripture verse right there says, you know, the blessing is there that God has promised us. He's lavished his grace on us because of his wisdom. He's lavished his grace on us because of his insight. Wisdom means that he understands the eternal of what we need. He understands the practical of what we need. And he gives that to us. He says, from here all the way through eternity, I'm going to be continually pouring out my grace upon you. That grace is a never-ending source. Doesn't he own the cattle on a thousand hills? Doesn't, didn't he create everything? If he did that, then why do we fret? Some of you can't see it because it takes hardcore faith. Some of you can't see it because you've closed your eyes. Some of you may not be able to see it because you have not accepted truly him as your savior yet. Maybe you know of him, but you don't know him in a personal way. So you have to decide. You're the only one that can make that choice. Nobody can make it for you. You're your, your, your spouse can't make it for you. Your son or daughter or mother or father can't make it for you. You're the only one that can make that choice. It has to be a choice you make for you. When I look at scriptures like this and I realize exactly what he has offered us and exactly what he has given us, I know I can face tomorrow with a greater future. But I also know I can face today with a greater future and greater assurance because of what he's already given us. I hope you can too. Paul emphasizes there's many blessings. 1, 7 through 8 again. In him we have redemption. We have been redeemed through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We are already forgiven. Sins, past, present, and future. Listen, I don't know what you were enslaved to when you were standing on that auction block before you were redeemed by Christ. Maybe all those crazy things in life that we see going on around us were entangling you so bad that you were being drugged down and drowned. But you know what? You don't have to be now. And that's what's important. In accordance with his riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. It's his wisdom and understanding, but he gives that same wisdom and understanding to us. They're on the last part of your outline here, these statements that I'm making right now, but only through being in a sinless, perfect Son of God. Him, His being in us and us being in Him. And allowing His Son to be in us, do we have God's grace? Through the act of redemption, having our sins forgiven, may we as believers exist in the presence of God. Listen, we need to practice the presence of Jesus wherever we go. Sometimes our feet want to take us where we shouldn't go. And the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder and going, uh, what are you doing? And he reminds us that you are a child of God. You shouldn't be going there. You shouldn't be doing those things. You shouldn't be saying those things. You shouldn't be acting that way. It's a reminder, but he won't force us 
but he will remind us. It's called conviction. The price of the payment of our sins was the shedding of Jesus' blood, securing the forgiveness of our trespasses, which may have, which we have. Not may, we have as a continuing possession. It's already ours. For the cost of Christ's blood is the measure of God's unmerited favor to every believer. And it's accomplished not out of, but according to the wealth of his grace. Do you believe that? In Christ Jesus, believers are part of his spiritual body and draw their source of new spiritual life from him. Everything we have, everything we do, you cannot... I guess the difficult thing for some of us to understand is you cannot separate the spiritual from the physical. And we tend to do that. We tend to want to separate the physical from the spiritual, but we are whole. We are one. And we are one in Christ once we accept Christ into our life. And we should live that kind of life. And that's meant as an encouragement, not a discouragement, because it's an ongoing process. And we have to work at it. We're not working for salvation, but we're working for perfection. We're striving for excellence in this life, but we're working for perfection of heaven. All this is according to, not out of the riches of his grace, which he lavished. He literally made abounding upon us. God also abundantly gave us all wisdom. That's a sense of intelligence and skills that we use and have and can apply to our lives. And insight. And in a sense, he gave us practical wisdom. You don't run over there and you don't stick a fork in a light socket. He gave you some common sense. We need to use it. God's grace is more than enough to redeem us and bring about our righteousness. Listen, if you are sitting here this morning, or if you're listening online or watching on DVD, whatever it might be, if you profess to be a Christian, we need to start living like it. We need to stop living like the rest of the world and stop worrying about what the rest of the world is doing and concentrate and focus on Jesus and what his word says and how we're to live and what we need to be telling others and sharing with others about who he is. Our theme for the next year is each one reach one. And I challenged you to go out and have each one of you bring one person this year into church like this, into a worship service, or into a Bible study. And that's the challenge for this year. And we're going to maintain it. And I'm going to continually be putting it before you to each one reach one. And draw someone in. Maybe they'll accept the Lord. Maybe they will not. But statistically, the more people we tell, the more people will accept Christ as Savior. We need to think about that. Let's pray. Father, we could not be who you want us to be without the blood of Christ in our life. The blood of Jesus saved us, redeemed us, and removed us from the penalty of our sin. And Father, I just thank you for for the blessings that you give each one of us. I thank you for the gifts that you give us, the talents and skills and abilities you allow each one of us to have. And and we come together collectively to, to worship you and to praise you and to honor you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us do that in a way that is a sweet, sweet aroma to you each and every time we come together. Corporately like this or individually when we get before you. Father, your love and mercy overwhelms me sometimes. Your desire to show us different ways and work in our life and just draw our closer to you is so empowering. Father, for those that are here today that are genuine believers and know you in a very, very personal way, 
I would ask that they would pray for those who may be here that do not know you, that do not have that personal relationship with you. And for those that do not have that personal relationship, I want to offer you the opportunity and a challenge today to consider Christ as the ultimate Savior of your life. To help draw him closer, all you have to do is ask. You have to ask for him to come into your life and forgive you of those sins that we were just talking about, to cleanse you, and to make you a child of God. Yes, you have to ask for forgiveness. Yes, it'll mean some life changes. But you don't have to make those changes beforehand. God and Jesus will work in your life to make those changes for you. And if you've already done that, but you've never been baptized the way Jesus was baptized, through immersion, complete, head to toe, then we offer that opportunity to you too today. And Lord, maybe there's some that have been coming for a while and maybe they're from another denomination, maybe they're from a church of like faith and belief. We don't know. But if they'd like to join this fellowship and be a part of this body of believers and, and learn more about your word and the way your word applies to their life, we offer that opportunity to them today. Whatever decisions need to be made today, Lord, those that may need to become part of this family of believers or those that may need to be baptized or those that may need to come to you for the very first time in their life to accept you as their Savior and their Lord. Father, we pray that you would just instill in their hearts the desire to do that today. And we simply ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you can and would, stand please. considering coming to next week's service for Warren's ordination and the rededication commitment of our current deacons and the addition of Robert Kirk to our deacon body. Uh, he was ordained at another church of like faith and belief.
another Southern Baptist church, so he will be also joining our deacons. And Tara has asked that we pray for a sister church in Gila Bend that has sent a mission team to the Philippines, and they will be gone through the 17th of this month, so be playing, praying for their safety and for their uh, safe return back, <clears throat> okay. and that they are able to see some souls saved. Father, we just thank you for the blessings you give us each and every day. Father, I ask that you watch over this body of believers, protect them, watch over them. And Father, just comfort them and assure them throughout this week. And we ask these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have a, a men and women's adult Bible study class that Robert is teaching. We enjoy him, especially his jokes. I mean, and his teaching. And um, we have uh, Dennis that's teaching the men's class, I believe, in uh, the room outside those doors. 109. Yeah, that's 108. That's 109. And it, there's a women's class, right? There's a silver dove still back here. 108 right there. Okay. All right. Good. So we invite you to have a Bible study with us in a little bit. So let's sing. Remember, Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. Amen. All right. Even me. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. God bless you. Have a great week.